Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. All right, I'm back in studio, and as soon as I get back, I realize that we are literally on the corner of 12th and Rose, downtown Regina. We are in the Century Studios now. When I left, we were at our original locale. I like this. The only complaint I have is it's really bright, so I have to wear my sunnies. I'm wearing my sunglasses and their prescription too, so I can actually see now. Maybe I can make more sense when I talk because I can actually read what I'm what I'm trying to say. Sean Kleisinger here with Blaine Wyland as Michael Ball is away for well, the next couple of weeks, so it's the B team, baby. It's me and you, my friend, and we're gonna talk sports every single day. And I guess if there is a day to talk candy and chocolate, maybe today is the day because well, I know Halloween's in the rear view, but last night I laid on my couch for about three, four hours, and I downed not one. Not two, not three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, maybe even twelve Reese's peanut butter cups. And today I am just feeling icky. I'm feeling sick. But as soon as the mic turned on today, I just realized, you know what? We're in our comfort zone now. I can put those feelings behind me. And we have a lot to talk about today because the CFL award nominees have been released. Uh, Las Vegas, there's a lot happening down in Vegas right now. Speaking of released, there's a lot of people being released down there. Unfortunately, Las Vegas Raiders no longer have Josh McDaniels as their uh, head coach. They can their GM as well. Jimmy Garoppolo no longer starting at quarterback for the Raiders. That goes to Aiden O'Connell now. The thing that makes this worse, Blaine Wyland, is... I know what you're going to say. Yeah. I know what you're going to say. In the span of, well, a couple hours this morning, I realized that my Green Bay Packers, yes, I'm wearing my Green Bay Packers leather J today, my leather jacket. It's quite warm, too. But I just realized that my Green Bay Packers lost to both the Las Vegas Raiders and they lost to the Atlanta Falcons. And, oh, by the way, those Atlanta... <laughs> I can't even say it. I'm... I don't feel good. Those Atlanta Falcons, Blaine, guess what else happened today? They announced that Desmond Ritter is no longer their starter. It's going to be Taylor Heineke moving forward, the former Washington commander. So, yes, my Packers lost to the Falcons week two, and then a couple weeks later they lost to the Raiders. And here are the Falcons not quite blowing things up, but they're benching their starting quarterback, and then the Raiders are quite literally <laughs> blowing things up. And I don't know. Was that is that what you thought I was going to say, Blaine? 
Yeah, I knew that you were going to say that the Packers lost to the Raiders and how yeah. that, that's a low one because yeah, that's a low one there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gut punch. If you're watching Monday... <laughs> I'm here to wear it. Oh, they were god-awful Monday, the Raiders were. I yeah. mean, I was expecting a chase. I wasn't expecting one this quick. Like, uh, Imagine this, though. How different would things be if Jimmy Garoppolo connects on a few of those throws with Devontae Adams? You see Devontae throwing huge fits on the sideline. Imagine if he lays that right... In the, see my arms? You can't see it because this is radio, but imagine my arms are out like a bread basket right now. And Devontae Adams was wide open down the field. And Jimmy Garoppolo just plop, overthrow, plop, overthrow. Like imagine if he just drops it in the bread basket where we would be right now. I don't know. Would things be different or? Oh, I don't know. Ask a guy that uh, if Jimmy Garoppolo would have found Emmanuel Sanders deep against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I know all about Jimmy Garoppolo missing deep passes. Let me tell you. Uh, uh, I like so it. I like it played. Uh, I and yeah, it's the end of Jimmy G and. Vegas, pretty much. Hey? Yeah. He's well, done. your team's struggling right now. Come on in the struggle waters. The waters oh. are warm. Hey, over that, here, this is the room where our teams suck. But guess our what? teams cannot win. At least my team made a trade yesterday. I think it's going to reverse their fortune a little bit. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Well, Green Bay did make a trade, but, you know, a lot of Packer fans are not happy with it. The Packers traded Rasul Douglas to the Buffalo Bills for a third round pick. So we shipped off. Rasul and a fifth rounder, and we got a third rounder. I read somewhere it was not like a fully credited source. I'm not sure how legit it was, but that the the Niners were looking at Douglas, but the Packers were like, yeah, we're not going to help you guys out. We'll send them to Buffalo instead. Yeah. (laughs) I know know a lot of fans are just not happy, but let's be honest. The Packers are two and five. We're going nowhere. We are like a boat on the road on the corner of 12th and Rose. That's what the Packers are right now. You know, they're going nowhere. But uh, this is going to be a fun show. We have a great show lined up for you today on the other side of the break. So in about five, six minutes time, LaBoldis Golden Suns head football coach uh, Ryan Giesbrecht will be joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. His LaBoldis Golden Suns are getting set to take on the Miller Marauders. Friday night at Mosaic Stadium. And oh, by the way, those Miller Marauders, they have not lost a football game all season long. A perfect uh I think they play six games in the regular season. So, yeah, they won their all six of their regular season games, and then they beat Campbell in the semifinal last week. So it will be Miller, and it will be uh, LeBoldis in the, uh, the city final coming up here on Friday night at Mosaic Stadium. And we are going to catch up with the head coach of the LeBoldis Golden Suns on the other side of the break. And it's a big night in Major League Baseball because tonight the Texas Rangers – for the first time in their franchise history, can win the World Series with the win. They are up three games to one, and they can win it tonight in Phoenix, Arizona. All they have to do is just, you know, win by one run, and just like that, they have their first ever World Series. The Diamondbacks, if they have anything to say about it, obviously they want to force another game, so that game is coming up tonight. And the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner, will be joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline at the bottom of this hour. And then, yeah, we kicked off this program by <laughs> talking about those Las Vegas Raiders. We are going to head down to Sin City, USA, Las Vegas, and catch up with Steve Carp. He is a columnist down there in Las Vegas. He has his finger on the pulse, everything, when it comes to uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Maybe we'll ask him about the Vegas Golden Knights hot start. They beat my Montreal Canadiens the other night in the shootout. Uh, so we'll talk with Steve Carp and the 
uh, 4 o'clock hour as well. Al Murdoch, the public address announcer, you hear him every single day on these airwaves. You might be thinking, what? I do? Yes, he's our big voice. Back to the sports cage on 620 CKRM. See, I'm not quite Al Murdoch. But uh, that is my impersonation. Impersonation. Hey, it's my first day back, Blaine. I'm, I gotta, I gotta get my, I gotta get right here. I'm still stretching my vocal cords. So that's coming up at four thirty-five, and then in hour three, we are going to be talking about the CFL East semifinal that's coming up here on Saturday. We will hear from a couple players who will partake in that game. The punter. For the Hamilton Tiger Cats, we know him well here in Ryderville. Kari Vedvik will join us at 5.05 and then at 5.35. Jeshron Antwi, the former Calgary Dino and now Montreal Alouette running back. I might have to ask Jeshron about uh, how his Calgary Dinos absolutely blew it. I know it's kind of old news now, but like I said, first day back, I'm going to talk about it quick. I think you and Ballsy were talking about that on Monday, actually, how that was just... uh, I I guess not much more needs to be said about it. The guy should have just taken a knee, and then that's it. I mean, that's all that needs to be said about that. As well, this is the thing that a lot of Canadian Football League people are talking about a lot of fans because this is hot off the press as of this afternoon. We have our 2023 CFL Award nominees. And by no surprise in the West, it's Brady Oliveira running back for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And in the East, it is by no surprise either, quarterback for the Toronto Argonauts, Chad Kelly. And uh, defensive player is Matthew Betts for the BC Lions, and Adarius Pickett for the Toronto Argonauts. Canadian, uh, no surprise here either. In the West, the nominee is Brady Oliveira. In the East, it's Marc-Antoine Decois for the Alouette de Montréal. And your most outstanding offensive lineman, the two nominees, is uh, Jamarcus Hardrick with Winnipeg and uh, Dijon Allen with uh, the Toronto Argonauts. And special teams player, Sean White and Javon Leak. And your rookie nominees, Kai Gray with the Edmonton Elks and Quantez Stiggers with the Toronto Argonauts. And your coach of the year, this is no surprise either. Mike O'Shea is up in the West and Ryan Didwitty in the East. What do you hear that, Blaine? Anything that come to mind? Any surprises? I, I mean, you heard it there. No Saskatchewan Rough Riders, of course, up for awards this year. But uh, by, uh, I don't think that's any surprise. No. I think all around, no surprises. Uh, maybe the only one that might have, I don't know, been a surprise was the rocked uh, your boat a bit. I don't know. I don't know about rock rock my boat of, of sorts, but poked the, you in the rib. I don't know. The Western Canadian nominee Oliveira and Matthew Betts. Mm. I think that was like um, a tight race. You know, like I was interested to see who would get that nomination. Mm-hmm. I figured that'd be a close one. Other than that. Uh, and maybe some of the rookie ones. You know, I think a lot of people were expecting maybe Dustin Crum to be like the Eastern nominee for the most outstanding rookie. Um, otherwise, no. I who do you see winning the MOP? Oliveira. I think. Or, uh, Kelly? I think. I think you got to give it to Kelly. Yeah, me too. I mean, the fact that and look how much the Argos dominated the Eastern nominees. Eh, like all but uh, one, I believe that they uh, are up for. Mm-hmm. Uh, they dominated, and yeah, I, I think Chad Kelly's the MOP this year. Which is, I'm mad about that because that would have been the guy I would have put money on back in uh, the springtime. That's who I would have put. My, that was my prediction. I, I think I I'm not I'm not just saying this. I'm not just you know saying it for the sake of saying it. I remember you saying that. 
you were going to like place a wager or something. I should have put a place, uh, but a you wager. never did, did I you? I never did. And oh, Blaine, we could have retired, and now here we are. Now, while well, watch, he still will lose it. He'll, yeah, we say that now, and I don't. I I, I think Chad Kelly's going to win it though. Yeah, that, that'd be that'd be my guess. I think uh, I think they're. I don't know if there's going to be much suspense. Maybe the the rookie of the year and the uh, offensive lineman maybe will be some. Uh, yeah. You know, up for some. Will be close come the award time on the seventeenth, but I think yeah. they're all going to be pretty predictable. Yeah, like you said, those awards coming up here at the Avalon Theater in Niagara Falls, Ontario. See, Hamilton, they can't even do the awards show in Hamilton. I I don't know the reasoning for that, but I I have driven through Hamilton before. I'm not going to lie to you; it's not the you know the most picturesque place. <laughs> Maybe that's why they want to move the awards to Niagara Falls. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. But it goes Thursday, November 16th, beginning at 4.30 uh, or 5.30 Saskatchewan time. And, of course, that's the Thursday leading up to Great Cup Sunday in Hamilton, Ontario. So that uh, is basically it as far as you know the big news of the day. I know there's a lot going on in Ottawa with those Ottawa Senators and uh, maybe we can touch on that quickly before we go to break because the Ottawa Senators, they're going to be forfeiting uh, a first-round pick here stemming from that 2021 trade debacle that sent Evgeny uh, Dandanov to uh, Vegas Golden Knights, it was. And then Ottawa, they failed to inform Vegas that the guy had a 10-team no-trade clause. And then from there, we also found out today that the Ottawa Senators are moving on from their general manager, and uh, that's quite surprising. You know, I remember Michael Ball saying that was going to be his backup team this year. I wonder if his stance has changed at all, you know, with everything going on in Ottawa. But uh, we'll talk about that throughout the show today. Maybe we'll talk about that with Al Murdoch coming up at 4.30, because Al Murdoch, he recently was at the... NHL Heritage Classic on Sunday between the Flames and the Oilers. He was the public address announcer for that one. And uh, Al Murdoch made his way back to Vancouver as uh, he was in Vancouver doing the game last night. So we'll talk about that throughout the show. All of our guests on today's show appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. You can fall back into the fall routine and take the night off and let Western Pizza do the cooking tonight. And that hotline's going to be cooking on the other side of the break. After the break, we will be chatting with Lobola's Golden Suns head coach, Ryan Giesbrecht, as his football squad is getting set for the SETI final. Coming up here on Friday night at Mosaic Stadium, you are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Back inside the cage here on this Wednesday into November already. November 1st, and it's playoff season. It's championship season. Now joined on the Western Pizza Hotline by LaBolda's Golden Suns head football coach, Ryan Giesbrecht. 4-2 and two in the regular season, and only two losses of the regular season was Week 1 versus Miller, 23-2, to and Week 3 versus Campbell, a 22-13 to loss. And hey, other than that, your football team has been on an upward trajectory Winning four games in a row with that big semifinal win included last week, 51 to 29 win over Riffle. And it all sets the stage for Friday night at Mosaic Stadium. It's the 6 8 city championship against the undefeated Millen Marauders. So, hey, this is what you guys worked for all offseason, all summer, all fall long. How are you and the team feeling here just about 48 hours until opening kickoff? Yeah, we're feeling great, you know, uh, excited. 
you know, like you said, it's you, you work work all season, all off season to try and get to this point, and and we're fortunate enough to uh, you know have a great team, have a great set of coaches uh, that uh, they're preparing these kids for the city final, and you know, I think the I think the atmosphere is right now is just you know excited to play football. As you get closer and closer to the game, the 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 vibe is uh, you know you're kind of itching to play, right? I know mm-hmm. I talked to some kids today, and they were, they said that they. They wanted to get to it. They want to play today. They're ready. So, you know, it's it's the next couple of days here, just trying to keep the kids focused and and get those reps in practice and then try to prepare for the game. Yeah, you, you guys go into this game as underdogs as these Miller Marauders haven't lost all season, and you guys got to look at them right at the start of the season. Do you think that might play into your favor compared to, say, if you just played them a few weeks ago? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, I think it gives us a chance when we see them at the start of the season. Uh, first off, it kind of with especially with a program like Miller, it kind of lets us know where we're standing at the at the very beginning of the season. Um, you know what what type of things we have to work on. You know if we're fortunate enough to get into the city finals and the playoffs, and we see them again. You know what are some adjustments we can make, and then we're able to spend the you know throughout the season as we're playing each week. Um, you know we can kind of see those adjustments and implement some adjustments uh, throughout the season, and then building into playoffs. You know it, it's also nice to have that full year of film, right. Mm-hmm. That we can, that we can watch and, and each game they play and, you know, every team's different. So, you know, if you're, if you're watching them, watching them play a different team, hopefully there's some formations or some, uh, you know, some similarities between the teams that we can kind of pick up on and just kind of makes for a, a good setup. You know, when we played them last year, I think we played them four times, including the city final. So, you know, I think the build up and the, uh, you know, the stage is set for, for this game and it's, it's going to be fun. Yeah, for our listeners who haven't seen the Miller Marauders play, what kind of team are they? What makes them such a juggernaut? Yeah, I think, that, first of all, they're coaches. they got a great coaching staff over there that prepares them very well for each game. Um, they're aggressive, and they're just a good foundation uh, built on defense and offense. Um, lots of their players are experienced football players that you know are able to make adjustments in-game and just very smart on on defense and offense, um, which you know that's what makes a tough to a tough team to play against. And you know I think we've done a, a great job of of getting our players you know prepped and and into the right spots to try and be successful. And talk about your players. Uh, what are a few players that uh, you know fans should be watching for here on Friday night if they haven't taken in a game yet this season? Who are some stars on the Laboldis Golden Suns here in 2023? Um, you know. We're uh, on offense, especially. We're, we're our foundation is our run game. Um, Owen Mazer, our running back, uh, is one of our key players. Uh, last game, he rushed for 405 yards and five touchdowns. Cool. <laughs> um, and he, uh, you know, he he gets set up uh, by the O line, the receivers, all the blocking schemes and stuff like that. That that puts him in successful spots. He's just a you know he's a he's a bruiser back who has a lot of speed that uh, can break tackles and. You know, I, we don't have that stat right now, but if you if you uh, were looking for a stat of yards after contact, uh, he'd be he'd be the best in the league for sure. Um, we have um, our fullback Jacob Goldstone. He also plays linebacker on our team. Um, one of the most versatile players uh, we've ever seen in this program. Um, he uh, he's extremely fast. One of the strongest players on the team, and uh, one of the smartest football players. Again, it's come through this program. He's 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 fantastic. Really, the captain and the uh, you know the leader on on defense. You know, helping make adjustments in game and 
helping in the film room and meshing outside of the, um, off the field. And um, another one for us is Liam Lavelle. He plays both ways as well. He plays our, <clears throat> our tackle spot and he also plays rush end. And, um, you know, one of the leaders in, in defensive points uh, in the league and just another fast, aggressive guy. And, you know, in high school football, one of the most important things is you're trying to get your fast, aggressive, and most talented guys to put the ball in their hands or get them closer to the ball like Liam at Rush End. LaBoldis head football coach Ryan Giesbrecht on the Western Pizza Hotline as the Golden Suns are gearing up to take on the Miller Marauders in the city championship here on Friday. So how has the transition gone for yourself, Ryan, stepping up to the new head coaching job, taking over for John Ford, who was, you know, he was the head man for so many years. I played against uh, John Ford when he was uh, the head football coach back in uh, 2009, it was. So has being the head coach been exactly what you thought it would be or has uh, you know, has anything caught you by surprise that you weren't expecting? Yeah, no, it's, it's been great. You know, when you take over a, a program like this that John's been a part of for, for so long and he's done such a great job and, again, building that foundation so that when the program was to continue on with, with somebody else, it, you know, all that uh, all the important things are taken care of. And, and, you know, in the transition, John's been really great. He's been helping in the background. If I had any questions or anything, he's, he's always there to help. Um, as for surprises, oh yeah, every, every corner there's surprises, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's all the background stuff. You don't really know what happens, uh, with a head coach. You know, I always said that the men work behind the scenes is, is not really why you get into coaching. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm also the offensive coordinator and that's, that's kind of the, that's the most fun part about my job, right? Yeah. Is the, is going through the offense and, and watching film and working with the kids on the field and stuff like that. And the behind the scenes job with the head coach uh, just kind of adds on with the relationships I have with the kids, and it helps. You know, being a, a phys ed teacher here at the school, I get to see the kids all day. Um, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. Really helps when you have a good set of coaches. You know, so lots of them were in place when John left and stayed, and some of them we we brought in. And people like our defense coordinator Joey Todd, who's now a teacher at the school as well. Um, it's it's pretty. It makes it makes it a lot easier and a lot more fun when you have guys like that who can. You know, take over, take over the reins on the field. You know, if I'm dealing with the offense, he's just a great leader on the field, and you know, we can kind of share that uh, that leadership position. Well, your Loboldis Golden Suns taking on the Miller Marauders Friday night at Mosaic Stadium. It's a 6 p.m. kickoff. Thanks for this today, Ryan, and good luck on Friday. Appreciate it. Thanks. I'm Blaine Wiley inside the Sports Cage Studios for your sports ticker. The Regina Pats are going to be back in action tonight. The third game of their four-game homestand as they take on the Prince Albert Raiders. We'll have coverage here on 620 CKRM, beginning with the pregame show 635. Opening faceoff is 7 o'clock. So far in the Pats' homestand through the first two games, they split with a win against the Blades. And on Sunday, they were blanked by the Prince George Cougars. In the NHL, the big news is there's going to be some changes with the Ottawa Senators. The team announced they've parted ways with GM Pierre Dorian as uh, they said part ways although they also said that he resigned uh, Steve Steos has been appointed as the team's interim general manager earlier in the day the Senators have been forced to forfeit a draft pick a first round draft pick within the next three years the World Series could come to an end tonight the Texas Rangers looking for their first title as it's game five in Arizona the Diamondbacks down three games to one with opening pitch at six o'clock and that's a, your sports ticker 
house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. 3.36 inside the sports cage. Sean Kleisinger alongside Blaine Weiland here on this. Well, I was going to say snowy Wednesday. I think that's safe to say. We are at the corner of 12th and Rose, downtown Regina here, and the snow is on the ground. The cars are rolling on by, and yeah, just like that, with the snap of a finger, we are on November 1st, and it kind of seems like yesterday in a way that we started talking with our next guest back in March, it was, during spring training, during the Grapefruit League season, and I mean... Here we are. This could be the last day of Major League Baseball until, well, the spring blooms again. Ben Wagner, the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, joins us now on the Western Pizza Hotline. Does it seem like yesterday for yourself, Ben, since we started talking? Or has it, I mean, you do a lot of baseball games. That's why I'm asking the question. It might seem a bit different in your seat than it does mine. You know what? It's amazing every year. Uh, I look back and I think how fast time flies. Uh, there's a saying in the game, and, and I, I lean on it a lot. Long days, fast months. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, know. W- once you get into the grind of 162, you don't get a lot of off days. And you know, spring training is part of that. And, you know, we cover over around 200 games by the time things are all said and done. And you hope to have a little bit of playoff berth. But, um, and that's kind of the goal, you know, to get to that 200 game mark. And you lump in spring training in the middle of February when pitchers and catchers start reporting, and it's it certainly flies by once you get rolling. Hey, so these Texas Rangers, their fans, they could be celebrating their first ever World Series championship tonight. Now, I I know the excitement. You know, I was like maybe eight months old at the time when the Toronto Blue Jays won their first World Series, so I don't remember that excitement. But, uh, yeah, coming up here, the Rangers could be celebrating a World Series title tonight. But the one thing that's kind of, you know, makes me upset a bit, this game is not in Arlington, Texas tonight. It is in Phoenix, Arizona. I think we've asked you the question before about how you like the playoff format, but if you're a Rangers fan, are you sitting back and hoping, do you know what? You guys can drop this game tonight. Just come on back home. We'll win it at home. (laughs) No chance. No chance Ranger fans are thinking about that. Listen to what, and remember what happened in 2011 when they were in St. Louis in a ball got misplayed in right field by Shinsu Chu, and then all of a sudden it was the worst day in franchise history. And, and that still lingers in a lot of long-timers' minds. The fans, the front office personnel, and even the broadcasters. Eric Nadell is a really good friend of mine, and he called it the worst day in franchise history mm-hmm. uh, that day in St. Louis. And he lived it out. I mean, he had to wear it, and for a dozen years they have been waiting for something uh, to erase that pain. Tonight is the night. You've got Nathan Navaldi on the mound. Uh, Zach Gallant, of course, has not been that crisp in the offseason or the postseason here. Um, but it's the Arizona ace. I mean, he's somebody that for a long time pitched the Diamondbacks into a position to even be where they're at. They're going to need on. They're going to lean on him and need him to come up huge, huge because of what happened last night. And the Diamondbacks pitched themselves in a World Series game with a bullpen day and. I don't like it in the regular season. I certainly, I certainly don't think a major league franchise should be positioned that way to have somebody in the postseason uh, not available to make a traditional start and lock some innings. Uh, that game got unraveled just so quickly 
on the Diamondbacks last night. Uh, and, and, and that's the large reason, and that offense uh, is the juggernaut why I thought the Rangers would win it in five. But certainly, if you talk to a Ranger fan, they're not wanting anything uh, to go against them in any game, let alone today. They, they will certainly have the, the parade rolling down <laughs> Arlington uh, if they win it on the road. Hey, that that was some type of beatdown last night, though, wasn't it? I mean, I think it was 11-1 to 1 going into the bottom of the eighth, and then the D-backs had a bit of a comeback there. But uh, are we at the point now where we can like expect the Texas Rangers to maybe just like string together yet another performance like that tonight, especially now that their ace is on the mound? Like, Is this pretty much toast? Is this series done, Ben Wagner? Well, I think so. I, I mean, I, I do. And the question for me going into the postseason with the Rangers, what kind of offense would show up? You know, where are the Bellingers? Where are the Youngs? Um, and, you know, is somebody going to step up? And uh, we, we thought Adolis Garcia was going to be a huge driver, which he was until he, he got himself injured on that big swing that he took, and that oblique bit him again. And that's what that's the reason that he missed that series late down the stretch against the Blue Jays, right? But we saw the Rangers in four days score 35 runs. I mean, that's the kind of potent offense that they possess. And you can get it with Nathaniel Lowe. You can find it with Jonah Heim, with the long ball that they have. And, you know, they've, they've had guys step up in big situations. Marcus Simeon hasn't had that great of a postseason, uh, and they haven't needed him. You know, they haven't needed him because they have so many weapons, one through nine in that batting order. And this is just another reason why offenses, especially when they're clicking and they can really stretch a lineup, it is a deep lineup and there are no easy outs, one through nine. Yeah, Marcus Simeon had a five RBI last night just out of nowhere. You know, like you said, he was pretty quiet. And then all of a sudden, you know, there he is. Oh, I remember him. He used to be on the Toronto Blue Jays, and here he is in the World <laughs> Series getting five RBI. Yes, it still hurts a bit seeing our former players on other teams. But no, happy for him. The I think Marcus Simeon will hold that World Series title over his head tonight. Hey, I saw some pictures of uh, the renovated Rogers Center. I mean, a lot of work being done on that puppy right now. And, uh, you know, this is back back-to-back years now last year it was you know the the outfield 200 level and now it's uh you know they're gutting it straight out ben wagner i mean the whole lower bowl is uh, out as far as i saw this is the game changer of all the phases that Rogers center has been going through in the last five or six years and a lot of it haven't been lumped into this the phase one or phase two but there's been a lot of infrastructure changes there's been a new membrane put on the the dome itself uh you know there's a lot of like non-sexy things that have happened to rogers center over the last three four five years uh what we are seeing with phase one and now phase two this will be the game changer this will be the game changer from uh an optics perspective this will enhance the facilities for the players the coaches the support staff on that 100 level and then of course what it's going to feel like from a fan perspective. And this is going to be a massive, massive improvement and a long overdue and a much-needed change for Rogers Center uh, to, to get some of the amenities that the modern sports fan expects whenever they go into a venue. You know, a little bit more ease to get to the restrooms, better concession stand. Yes, you're going to have some high-dollar seats in there and some suite levels and, you know, for, for the corporate partner perspective. But even for somebody that grabs the opportunity to go to one or two games a year, you can grab four tickets. Your fan experience 
is going to be completely different. I'm telling you, it will not be the same for anybody that has been in that building since 1989. When you go to that 100 level, the seats are going to be different. The, the, the angle of the seats are going to be more in a traditional baseball sense. So when you're sitting up the right field or left field line, even at third base, you know, you're kind of staring out towards center field. <laughs> no longer. Your seats are going to be tilted where all the action happens on the diamond, and then you can just enjoy the game with greater ease. So that's, that's just a snapshot of what the fan experience is going to be like, let alone all the other things, you know, that are going to be enhanced to make your, your viewing and, and just enjoyment, whether yeah. you're experiencing a hundredth game as a Blue Jay fans or, or your first. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. I think, uh, is it going to be dark blue seats, kind of like uh, the, the new ones that they put in? Do you know the color of the seats, Ben? I think maybe dark blue, I think I saw. I think dark blue for the most yeah. of the seats that, that they're going to put in. Um, I think in that, that club level behind home plate, you might see a shade of green mm-hmm. because of some corporate partnerships. Yeah rolled in there um you, you know us geeks um, love that stuff you know that's why i asked we need to know the color it, it, it broke my heart when i saw the old seats laying in a dump yard somewhere i was like oh isn't I, I, I would have terrible i would have loved one of those like put it exactly. online and let me auction what? it oh you know this is this is the bad part right of these uh, this is we're kind of diving into the weeds here on some of, <laughs> on how these deals get done but when you sign a contract for somebody to do your renovations they literally take everything. They, you know, they, they take disposal of it, and they're guaranteed that because there might be some value in the scrap of it. Mm-hmm. But to see all those seats in a giant pile, think of the, the tens of thousands oh. of dollars that have been missed out to support the, the, the Jay's Care Foundation. The history that could be sitting in somebody's uh, cave or in some sports den or at a bar and restaurant, you know, across the country. Uh, where they could have this piece of property. I mean, we're talking tens of thousands of seats, let alone what could have been generated for just, you know, pennies on the dollar, you know, to have that piece of memorabilia. Yeah, I'm a bummer. I get nostalgic about stuff like that. Hell, me uh, too. You know, yeah, you know, all, especially for all the venues over the course of the years and, and little nuggets that you can mine from them to yeah. just hold a piece of that history. Yeah. That's why we're friends, Ben Wagner. We got the same heart. We got the same heart. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we'll see if uh, the Texas Rangers can win their first ever World Series tonight, Ben. And this has been fun all season long, and uh, can't wait to do it again soon. Sure has, guys. Thanks so much for the time. That's the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner, here on the Western Pizza Hotline. And, yes, the Rangers taking on the Diamondbacks tonight, 6 p.m. Saskatchewan time. Opening pitch. We are going to take a quick break. More on the other side. You are listening to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. 348 and sat in the Sports Cage. Right after the 4 o'clock news, we will head down to Las Vegas, Nevada to talk some Las Vegas Raiders because there's a lot happening in Vegas right now, and there always is a lot happening, but as far as the sports go, (laughs) there's a lot happening because the Raiders have relieved head coach Josh McDaniels, their OC Mick Lombardi, general manager David Ziegler of their duties, and it looks like current linebackers coach Antonio Pierce will take over as the interim head coach right now, and, and quite the first game that he will have as the head man for the Raiders because... Antonio Pierce will be going up against his former team here on Sunday, the New York football giants playing Wyland. I just seen the story about jo- Sorry, I'm laughing. I read yeah. the story about Josh McDaniels getting fired. Apparently, 
<laughs> you know what he dressed up as Halloween? What it? What is it? Mark Davis. Wow. And then, like, he ordered the same. Like, I'm reading this. It's coming from the Athletic. Uh, like a tweet from the from the Athletic, and they said Ooh. that he dressed up as Mark Davis, and Davis took it in stride. And then they ordered uh, Davis's lunch. McDaniel's did. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing at this because then after the lunch, they had a fortune cookie and it read, You're fired, hot shot. <laughs> I don't know if this is a hundred. Like, uh, there's re- no way that's true. Yeah, that is hilarious. But if it is true, that is, uh, that is ground. Uh, it's coming from a tweet based off the athletic premium, uh, plus no, instant in- inbox. Like, I could see him dressing up as Mr. Davis. But I can't see that. I don't know. This is Josh McDaniels we're talking hey, about. You really? Like, I don't know. Hey, on on the subject of the National Football League, I've been just itching to talk about this because over the weekend it was a big weekend as far as the unis go. I mean, there was a lot of nice uniforms on the old television tube on the weekend. The Seattle Seahawks. I hate them, but you can't deny those. <laughs> Me can't, too. You can't, Me too. Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah, I know. You can't deny those uh, unis they were wearing. Uh, the old uh, throwback to the 90s, the ones that Kerry Joseph actually himself wore. Like the Kingdom. That's yeah, what I think Kingdome. of. The Kingdom AFC West Seattle Seahawks. Absolutely. And uh, you also had... Uh, also had the Houston Oilers, those unis, the Tennessee Titans were wearing those unis, which was uh, which was nice to see. Are you a fan of those ones? Yeah, but I just don't know. Yeah, you know, I don't think you like them because no, your, I, I, your face expression didn't tell me you liked them. No, it's not so much I don't like them. It's just I don't know if I like the fact the Tennessee Titans are wearing them and not ah, like, see yes. the should be the Tennessee Titans that you wear them or should it be the Houston Texans because I know like JJ uh, Watt was talking this week and saying how he. They really wanted to wear those jerseys, but they can't because the Titans, of course, used to be the Houston Oilers, and they got all the copyrights and that stuff. And to be fair, they were the Tennessee Oilers for one season, so it's not like they haven't worn those unis before in the state of Tennessee. Just saying. The big oil metropolis of Tennessee. Yeah, I am just saying. Well, Levis, he looks like he's going to be getting the start for Tennessee this week after he threw for four touchdowns. He was my favorite quarterback going into the draft this year. I read somewhere that he puts mayo in his coffee. Yeah, that is true. Ugh, He's ugh. A, he is a weird puppy. I but think Mac hey, Jones does that too, doesn't he? Yeah, you can put whatever you want in your coffee as long as you throw for four touchdowns. I think that's fine with me. I'm missing another uni. I think the Eagles wore theirs last week. Uh, not like this past week, but the week before. Uh, there's another uni. I am forgetting Blaine Wyland. I know there is. And what I was going to get at is I think... I think it's time that our league up north here, the Canadian Football League, uh, takes uh, a a slice out of what these other leagues are doing. And I'll I'll let you know what I mean. It's It's not only in the National Football League we are seeing this, but within the past five, ten years in the National Hockey League, we have seen teams go back to their old look. What is old is new again. You know, it's like an old video game that was really hot at the time when you were playing it. And then, you know, you forget about it for years and years and years. And then years later, you pick it up, you put it back in, and, and it's like, oh, yeah, this is this is a great game. Same thing with unis. Same thing with unis. And the truth is right there in front of you. That's why the Calgary Flames, Blaine, are wearing, you know, their older type look. That's why the Buffalo Sabres are doing it. That's why... Another team that comes to mind, come on, uh, the Edmonton Oilers. That's why they, uh, you know, kind of 
shivvied away from their over uh, their old look. So what I'm getting at is I think it's time that our Canadian Football League starting next season, I'm going to say it right now, starting next season, let's have a throwback uniform. It doesn't need to be, you know, like from 50, 60 years ago. It can be. But let's have each Canadian Football League team have a throwback uniform because what is old is new again, baby. And that's what the younger audience is liking right now. They love these NHL unis. They love these throwback unis that the NFL is doing. So I say, you know, let's do this. We're past we're past the age of just slapping a bunch of stripes on the side and making it look like, you know, you created it in Madden quickly in like five minutes. This is the age of the nice uni again. So I say starting next season, the Canadian Football League uh reveals one throwback uni per team. What do you th- what do you think? Uh, that's a good idea. I mean the Ruffers do that already. Well, I mean if you want a different one every year cuz like the Ruffers wear their classic ones for no, Labor Day. No, and they shouldn't change those at all. If I were to change anything about the Saskatchewan Rough Rider uh Labor Day look, it would be you know, since if teams are going to be rolling out new uniforms with completely different helmets, completely different jerseys and pants, the only thing I would change now, it's going to cost money, this thing. But, you know, you got to spend money to make money. You know the saying. The only thing I would change would be a more Kelly Green for the throwback look, because back when, you know, all the greats wore that uni, it was the Kelly Green. And that would be the only thing I would change. And maybe there was a time as well that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders wore, you know, gray pants at home instead of instead of white. Maybe that's something that would change. But the whole concept for the Riders is perfect. It's the nicest uniform in the league. And just looking across the board, I mean, for the Ottawa Red Blacks, you could just straight up, you know, do a, an old Russ Jackson type look. Very, very simple. They already kind of have... Uh, uh, an alternate uh, decal or decal right now that they wear that looks similar to the old Ottawa red-black look. But that would be a beautiful look for Ottawa. You could go through the list. Every single team throughout its history had a beautiful uniform in the Canadian Football League. The Montreal Alouettes, not too long ago, back when Anthony Calville was still their quarterback, wore one and uh, you know wore their like 70s look. I would bring that one back. I say, why not? I, I think this is something the Canadian Football League needs to do. If if it's not just uh, an alternate, maybe you know, think about it being your full-time look because I'm here to tell you what is old is new again. It's time to scrap these new era type uniforms with stripes all over the place. You look across not only the NFL, NHL, any type of league, simpler the better. That's my rant. How do you like it? I think it's going to happen. No, I agree. I agree with you 100% that the old jerseys, the retro jerseys are better than the new jerseys. There's, I don't know if there's any teams the new jerseys are better than their mm-hmm. old jerseys, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, for the Rough Riders, another retro jersey you can bring back is the black ones. Mm, I know a lot of fans would love to see that. I mean, with the blackout night, it's almost, I almost feel like it's going to happen sooner or later. It's just, you build up that anticipation a little bit more. It's almost getting to the boiling point right now with that jersey, but I think it's coming back sooner than later. Hey, this has been a fun hour. More to come on the other side of the news. We will head down to Las Vegas, Nevada and talk about those Las Vegas Raiders and all the news happening in Sin City today with Jim Carp, a Las Vegas columnist, is coming up on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Sports Cage today on this Wednesday here on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcoming 
inside the radio octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. And I am alongside Blaine Wineland here on this Wednesday. You can always text us up, 306-936-6262. You can text me up. You know, how full is your belly when it comes to this Halloween candy scenario? There's a day to talk about candy and, you know, all that kind of stuff. This is the day to do it. Kicked off the show by saying I ate, like, I don't know, 15 peanut butter cups last night. I don't want it to get to the point where I don't like peanut butter cups anymore, though. That's the thing. you got to find the happy medium. If you eat too much of it, you won't like it anymore. But uh, we'll talk about maybe some of Blaine Weiland's favorite candy. What is your favorite candy bar, Blaine? Let's sneak this in here oh, quick. I, when it comes to candy bars, I like the bounce. Like I don't think I've ever had like one my entire life as my favorite. I've always liked bounce oh, around. Okay. Like Reese's, Reese's is up there for sure. Butterfingers, and I mean, I guess, you know, if I say Butterfingers, like Crispy Crunch, because mm-hmm. they're the same thing. How about Wonder Bar? Good old Wonder Bar. Yeah, that's up there, oh, too. Yeah, that's, that's up there for my yeah, favorites. Yeah. Like, there's a lot. Like, it's hard. It's almost like, which one is the bad one? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and I, like I say, I go through favorites like nothing. I, uh, Twix, Score. Uh, I see you. Smarties, even I Kit Kats. You. Like, I see you, baby. I'm pretty happy when, it, like, when I was a kid, I wasn't too. There wasn't too many in the in the bag that I was disappointed with yeah. when I got for Halloween. Maybe just like those weird looking suckers and stuff. You can just throw those straight in the trash. Like we're not a, we're not here for that. Okay, just give me a, a a chocolate bar. And I don't like when people call them candy bars either. I just did a couple seconds ago, but they're chocolate bars. Come on, they're chocolate and they're a bar. But uh, hey, you can. Buy some chocolate bars and maybe some popcorn and mini donuts and whatever you want at the Brandt Center tonight as the Regina Pats are taking on the Prince Albert Raiders. And from one Raider team into another, let's talk some Las Vegas Raiders now on the Western Pizza Hotline. Joining us from Las Vegas, Nevada on this Wednesday afternoon is Steve Karp, a Las Vegas columnist. Hey, Steve, how you doing today, my friend? Thanks for uh, taking a couple minutes to talk with us. Doing well, better than Pierre Dorian and Dave Ziegler <laughs> and Josh McCain. Hey, man, let's talk about this. I don't even know where to start, but, uh, you know, the Raiders have relieved Josh McDaniels as their head coach, Mick Lombardi as their offensive coordinator, David Ziegler as their general manager, and they also released the news, or it was leaked, however you want to say it, that the Raiders are expecting to start quarterback Aiden O'Connell. Uh, this week, so Jimmy Garoppolo goes to the bench. Yeah. I don't know where to start with this, but Antonio Pierce will take over as the interim head coach. He goes from linebackers coach to the head coach. What do we make of what happened in Las Vegas today? I think Mark Davis came to the conclusion that he couldn't wait till the end of the year to make a change. That it appeared that Josh had lost the room. He had talked individually to. Several of the veterans, including Max Crosby and, and Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, and I think the message from all of them appeared to be, this isn't working. And thus, Mark, who really wanted it to work, and it, a month ago had told fans who were yelling at him in L.A. to fire McDaniels to smarten up, wound up smartening up himself and he uh, he made the decision late last night, and uh, I think what's going to happen. 
happen with Antonio Pierce is he's going to have a great opportunity to prove he deserves this job on a permanent basis. We shall see if that comes to pass. But he did confirm that Aiden O'Connell will start against the Giants on Sunday. And that they're going to, you know, move forward. They're not going to tear up the playbook, but they will do some things differently. And I think that should help an offense, which has really struggled all season. Mm. Yeah, and Antonio Pierce, he will now be, I believe, the 12th different person to coach a game for the Raiders over the past 20 seasons. So not quite a new coach per, you know, season, but, you know, that is a high number. At some point, you know, do we kind of think maybe this organization is just not doing it right? Like you just can't recycle through coaches that often, or is it a deeper problem than that? Well, I think... It's harder to build a football team, especially in the NFL, than it is a WNBA women's basketball team, which Mark Davis also owns. And we all know he's had success with the Las Vegas Aces. They've won back-to-back WNBA titles. But it's a lot harder to determine how you want to build your football team. And he's tried to several different ways that none of them have worked. And I'm not sure if he can get it done. This is what I wrote about in my column in the Sporting Tribune today, Mm. that, you know, this mess is his creation, and he has to clean it up. But that doesn't mean he'll get it right going forward. So we have to see. He wasn't made available to the media today, by the way. Cam Kelly, the interim GM, and, and obviously Antonio Pierce, the interim head coach were, but if I were to have a chance to talk to Mark Davis, I would simply say to him, what are you not seeing that everyone else sees when you make your decisions on people that run your franchise? Mm-hmm. I don't know what his answer would be, but right now there's not a lot of confidence among Raider fans or even here in Vegas with the media for the owner to get it right long term. Yeah, so is this actually going to be, you know, like a, an opportunity for Antonio Pierce if he does well? Like, will he be the head coach? Because this seems like the same old story from a few years ago when Rich Passaccia, you know, uh, took over. He did a, a, a decent job, and, you know, now he's the special teams coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. So, you know, is this going to be an opportunity for Antonio Pierce, or, you know, does Mark Davis want that big name to lead his squad? Well, it's funny you bring Rich Passaccia's name up because I wrote that he is someone that Mark Davis should consider bringing back to Las Vegas, considering the job he did after John Gruden left. The players loved playing for him, and he got the Raiders to the playoffs. They didn't win the game, but Mm -hmm. he got him there, and I think he deserves a shot. That said... We'll see if Mark Davis learned his lesson. If Antonio Pierce can get this team back on track, you know, their schedule is not that daunting. I mean, they're playing the Giants Sunday. They play the Jets next week. they got to play Miami and Kansas City. But then they got Minnesota, the Chargers. They have to play the Chiefs again, the Colts and the Broncos. Some of those games are winnable. I mean, I don't think they can beat Miami or Kansas City, but I think the other games 
are certainly within grasp for uh, for victory. So Antonio Pierce should get a, a fair shot to prove he can or can't do the job. We'll see what happens, but uh, mm-hmm. don't be shocked if like you know Jim Harbaugh's name yep. surfaces as a uh, a potential head coaching candidate. You know he's having all sorts of off the field issues at Michigan right now, and he had to sit out four games earlier this season. He may be ready to return to the NFL, and maybe Mark Davis goes with him. He's had a proven uh, track record of success when he coached the 49ers. So let's see how this all plays out in the weeks ahead. Yeah, Steve Carp, Las Vegas, columnist with us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. And uh, does Devontae Adams want out? I keep seeing, you know, like fans on Twitter or X, whatever you call it, there's the rumor out there, and we, we saw Devontae this past weekend. He was upset. Jimmy Garoppolo, he overthrew him like 10 times, it seemed like. Is Don, <laughs> has Devontae Adams had enough of Las Vegas? I think it's a different scene than what he envisioned when he agreed mm-hmm. to come to the Raiders from Green Bay. And in that respect, he may decide that maybe he's better off somewhere else. I think at this stage of his career, he really just wants to win. He's not after personal glory or anything. I mean, his his legacy is pretty much cemented as a great receiver in this league. But he really would like to, you know, to win. And I'm not so sure that Las Vegas offers that opportunity given the current situation. So it might be better for him to move on. Perhaps Josh Jacobs decides, I don't know if I want to spend the rest of my prime years getting beat up and not winning here in Vegas. And, uh, mm-hmm. and he too maybe moves on. So it's a tough call. He's really a competitor. And I think we'll have to see how the next few weeks play out with him as well. If he has success, you know they're going to target him more with Dave O'Connell as the quarterback. And you know, let's say you know they win a few more games, and let's say that he's uh, doing well in terms of his productivity. You might very well see him decide to stay, where you know there's no state income tax in Nevada. And, and we we talked about this in the past when we talked about the Golden Knights and and how guys want to come here and play in Vegas because it's really tax-friendly and it's a lot you you get a lot more bang for your buck living here than you do playing elsewhere in the NHL. Same in uh, the NFL. Mm-hmm. Hey, we'll talk about those Vegas Golden Knights next time we have you on here, uh, Steve. I appreciate you uh, taking a couple minutes today to uh, break, it all, uh, break it all down, the happenings in Las Vegas right now when it comes to the Raiders. Thank you. Anytime. Glad to be with you. That's awesome. Steve Carp, Las Vegas columnist, joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline all the way down from Sin City, USA. As we head to break, we are going to hear from Al Murdoch at 435, the public address announcer for the Vancouver Canucks and also the voice of the sports cage, the big voice that you hear bringing us in and out of commercials. That's Al Murdoch. We're going to talk with him because not only is he the public address announcer for the Canucks, but he was also the PA voice for the NHL Heritage Classic, which took place uh, on Sunday. So that's coming up at 435. You are listening to the sports cage here on 620 CKRM. (laughs) 
kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And the WHL announced this afternoon the adoption of mandatory neck guards. Neck guard protection for all players effective immediately as of Friday, November 3rd. So that's this Friday, so just a couple more days of no neck guards in the Western Hockey League. And this all happening, of, of course, because of the tragedy overseas over the weekend. Uh, former Pittsburgh Penguin Adam Johnson uh, died after getting uh, hit in the throat by a, by a skate. Very disturbing uh, video. I saw it once, and I don't think I want to see it again. I was, uh, you know... Never want to see something like that ever happen ever again. And then that's that's why, you know, the WHL has announced today that as of this Friday, it will be mandatory for players to wear neck guards. And I know that the NHL and the NHLPA are discussing this as well going forward for it to happen in the National Hockey League. Now, I know it might not be the quote-unquote cool thing to do in the hockey world, you know, all the hockey lingo, oh, you're wearing a neck guard, ha ha. Like, enough with it already, okay? I'm all for players wearing cages, too, if it's if it's more protective. When you think about it, it does not make much sense at all with these guys out there with little to no face protection, no neck protection, and they're partaking in a sport that is really not like natural at all you got you got skate blades on the ice you got pucks going a thousand miles per hour you got sticks swinging in the air and these guys and yes they do have a lot of protection of course with like the shoulder pads pants Uh, believe me i played hockey before minor hockey growing up the shin guards you name it but let's try to protect you know the areas that maybe count the most like the face and the neck so i i like i like what the western hockey league Uh, did this afternoon announcing that as of this Friday, mandatory neck guards will be uh, the norm in the Western Hockey League. And uh, our Regina Pats, they take on the Prince Albert Raiders. I can't do it as well as Ballsley, not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and try to do it, okay? But uh, yeah, the the Pats, they got blanked four to nothing on uh, Sunday it was versus the Prince George Cougars. So uh, the Pats, they've been playing some all right hockey thus far in this young season. So they look to get it and back on track once again tonight. And I know tonight is a Wednesday home game. So that means it will be another alumni poster giveaway uh, at the Brant Center tonight. So that's something to keep your uh, ears and eyes out for when you're making your way into the Orange Top tonight. Because... Uh, who have it all? It's been Sam Steele. It's been Jordan Eberly. It's been Jake Lecision. I think that's the only three yeah. so far. And I am missing that Jake Lecision poster, by the way, because uh, we did not broadcast a show live on location the last time the Pats had a poster giveaway night. So if anyone has a Jake Lecision poster that they, you know, are willing to gift my son, it's for my son. You know our number. Three zero six nine three six six two six two, and I'm not going to lie to you. I do not know who the alumni poster is of tonight, and I'm going to go out on a limb. And I, actually, I don't want to even make a guess because if I make a guess and I'm right, I could get in trouble by you know saying the player's name. So I'm not even going to guess. You know who the Pats alumni players are? There's a lot of them, and hoping to get one of them on the sports cage on Tuesday. So keep that in mind. Have it in the works right now, but. Yeah, it's a big one tonight. 7 o'clock puck drop. 
with our pregame show with Dante DeCaria on the air right at 6.35. We're going to hit the break and talk more hockey on the other side. Al Murdoch, the public address announcer for the Vancouver Canucks on the other side. You are listening to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. And a lot happening in our three-down game, as yes, the 2023 CFL Award nominees were released today. And the West nominee for Most Outstanding Player is Brady Oliveira from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Chad Kelly for the Toronto Argonauts is the East Division nominee. Your Defensive Player of the Year nominee in the West here is Matthew Betts with the BC Lions. And Adarius Pickett is your nominee in the East with the Toronto Argonauts. And your Most Outstanding Canadian nominees... Brady Oliveira for Winnipeg, no surprise there. And Marc-Antoine Decoin with the Alouette de Montréal, your most outstanding uh, offense lineman, Jamarcus Hardrick. That's a name that we know well for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He's up once again for most outstanding lineman. And Dijon Allen for the Toronto Argonauts. Special teams player in the West, Sean White with the BC Lions and Javon Leak with the Toronto Argonauts. Your most outstanding rookie nominees from the Edmonton Elks, Kai Gray, and in the East with the Toronto Argonauts, Quantez Stiggers. And Coach of the Year, Mike O'Shea and Ryan Dinwiddie. No surprise there. And these awards will go down the Thursday before Grey Cup Sunday. So it lands on Thursday, November 16th, and they will happen in Niagara Falls, Ontario this year. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Yeah, it's 4.36 inside the sports cage. Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball today alongside Blaine Wyland. And yes, Big thank you goes out to Floor Coverings International back on board again for our Sports Cage Where Are They Now segment. Usually it, it's uh, held on a Wednesday and it's going to be pushed back one day because I really want to get this guy on to talk about uh, something. That's uh, what you call a tease, I guess. We will be talking Saskatchewan Rough Riders football with this guest tomorrow on the Where Are They Now segment. And he is a former player, and it's a big anniversary of a very big game that he had. That's all the hints I'm going to give you, but I hope to catch up. Uh, we hope to catch up with him tomorrow as part of our Where Are They Now segment for Floor Coverings International. Save with the Stars event. Save hundreds on new floors. Visit fcipromo.com. Only at participating locations. Offer ends November 30th here in 2023. And hey, that voice that you heard bringing us back from the commercial break is the one and only Al Murdoch. Cannot wait to talk with you, my friend. Thanks for uh, carving out a couple minutes of your day. I know you're busy today. It is my pleasure. Always great to be on the mighty 620 CKRM. Yes, the golden tones of Al Murdoch. So, Al, how was uh, the Heritage Classic on Sunday? It was wonderful. Uh, the weather couldn't have been better. You know, plus two at uh, at puck drop, 55,000. You know, wonderful fans had a great time. Uh, sunshine, uh, mm-hmm. a pretty decent game. Um, and, uh, I mean, all of those games that I do is the second in Heritage Classic, uh, you know, uh, that I've had an opportunity to do. I did a Hamilton a couple of years ago. And all of those outdoor games and the All-Star game and all of the stuff that the 
NHL asks me to do uh, is always uh, is always a great uh, time for me. So, how many um, outdoor games have you done now? I'm guessing a couple Winter Classics. You already mentioned a couple Heritage Classics. Are you keeping Are you keeping count? Yeah, well, I started in 2019 with the Winter Classic in Dallas, mm-hmm. and uh, so I've been doing all of the outdoor games since, and uh, you know, a few All Star games, and uh, I've got. Uh, you know, we've got the Winter Classic coming up in Seattle uh, in January. Then we've got All-Star Weekend in Toronto. And then we've got the Stadium Series, which happens in New Jersey in February. And this year, we're not just doing one game. We're doing two games, uh, an evening game on Saturday and then an afternoon game on Sunday. Wow. So is it safe to say, it's like you're you're asked to do all these big-time games. So I'm just going to say it, Al. I'm speaking for you. You're pretty much the best public address announcer in the National Hockey League. That is why they come to you, Al Murdoch, to do these games. I'm correct? Well, no, no I mean, I think it's so. very subjective. <laughs> <laughs> it's very subjective. Uh, I'm just very grateful for the opportunity to, uh, you know, step outside of my role as PA announcer for the Canucks and, and do these NHL signature events yeah. because they are such. Uh, you know, there's such epic events to do, and there's so much fun. I'm just grateful. What's that like? Uh, you know, you usually do Canuck games. Is it a bit different? I know you've done a couple now, but is it a bit different inside, you know, doing a game where the Canucks are not playing since you do so many Canuck games? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, if you're just referring to what's the difference between doing those kind of outdoor games and then, yeah. you know, my regular role with the Canucks, I mean, I, I treat it exactly the same, right. uh, though it's just on a bigger scale because, you know, you'll probably have more eyes on the, uh, on the game uh, in terms of TV viewership, and you certainly will have more, you know, butts in the stands because, like I said, over 55,000 people were at Commonwealth Stadium. Yeah. Do you have to like be more neutral or do you basically give it the same amount of energy, almost like the Canucks are playing the Canucks? Do you know what I mean? Like same energy for both teams as far as like goal calls go. Well, yeah. Well, here's the thing with that is that, um, you know, the, the, the NHL brings me in to do uh, all of the, you know, all of the TV stuff, all the ceremonial stuff, you know, all of the sponsorship stuff. So I actually work with the local PA announcer in each market. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, this past weekend, it was Al Stafford, who's the PA voice for the Edmonton Oilers, an outstanding guy. Um, so I can't, I'm not coming in and, and doing Edmonton and Calgary goal calls. It was an Edmonton home game. So right. Edmonton, you know, we're going to get those signature calls from Al Stafford for the Oilers goals. Uh, that way it doesn't take anything away from, you know, the experience that Oilers fans are used to. Mm-hmm. So uh, as far as... Uh you know, going into the event, you were basically just like brought on for like the O Canada and stuff like that, like the stuff that we heard on on the television broadcast. Yeah, yeah. So they bring me in to do you know the opening, right. all of the entertainment stuff, all of the corporate sponsorships mm-hmm. uh, stuff. Because I'll be honest with you, the amount of stuff that I have to read during the course of the game um, or All Star Weekend. Uh, there's no way that one person could do that and also do the regular calls right. of a PA announcer at the game. It's just way too much stuff. So that way, uh, you know, it's the best of both worlds. And I get to hang out with a fellow PA announcer from another market that I, you know, you know, otherwise probably wouldn't meet. That's pretty cool. Al Murdoch here on the Western Pizza Hotline. So uh, you are the public address announcer for those Vancouver Canucks. So let's talk about those Canucks quickly here. Uh, uh, Coach Rick Tockett, he kept JT Miller off the ice for almost, I think it was five minutes of the second period after he took his 
third minor penalty of the night against the Predators last night. And then he was given a chance to make some amends, and he did so, J.T. Miller, last night. Yeah, he sure did. I mean, and J.T. was honest, uh, you know, today by saying, listen, you know, he got a little hot. He did take that double minor. Uh, he did take another penalty after that. And so Rick just sat him down. And I think that's the thing about Rick talking. And people are always asking him, well, what's the, what's, what's the difference between, uh, you know, this? Uh, uh, hang on a second. I got... No, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, the, the thing about Rick talking is uh, in the, the three things that he talks about the most is uh, accountability, mm-hmm. identity, and and get out there and work for your teammates and everyone's buying in and and if you and not necessarily that JT didn't do that last night but you know he got a little hot he's he got a little you know upset at a couple of bad calls took a couple of bad penalties so Rich just says listen I don't care if you're JT Miller or anybody else in the team I'm going to sit you down let you cool off and then he came back and what did he do so in my books it's a win-win yeah I know I know we're only like nine games in here but are fans around the area surprised, like pleasantly surprised at this Vancouver Canuck team? Because uh, sitting in second place right now in the Pacific Division with 13 points, just, I mean, everyone's behind the Vegas Golden Knights. They haven't lost in regulation yet. Vancouver, they have a 6-2-1 record. I mean, this is a pretty good hockey team. I watched some of that game last night. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's something that we've been waiting here in Vancouver for a very, very long mm-hmm. time. Uh, I think this year, you know, the team has an identity. And I don't think over the last number of years we've really had an identity. You know, when you think of the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, you think of a big, strong, you know, every single line. They've got four lines that roll out. Um, you know, you think of, uh, of of the Florida Panthers who, you know, did so well in the uh, in the playoffs last year. They've got an identity. And I think for the, the last number of seasons, we really haven't had an identity. And I think with Rick coming in, uh, you know, at the latter part of last season. And then, of course, having this season, you know, starting right off the hop at training camp, he just told his players, listen, you're going to come in in shape. We're going to have structure. Everyone has to work at it. And if you don't work at it, you're not going to get enough playing time. And I think with Rick is that he's one of those guys, he's gone through it. He's been in the trenches. He's had success, you know, as a player, you know, when he was playing with Philly or Pittsburgh or Arizona, he was one of those hard-nosed guys that would go to the wall for all of his teammates. And, and I think the, the current team here in Vancouver looks at him and respects him and goes, listen, I want to go to the war for him and everybody else in this dressing room. Hey, those Vancouver Canucks unis that they were wearing last night are nice, huh? Those fresh uh, Pavel Burry era uniforms. Do you like those threads, Al? Oh man, those are my favorite. I've always been a fan of the uh, of the black skate, mm-hmm. and and I and we're rolling it out a lot this season. Uh, you know, to the uh, massive uh, uh, ovation of everybody here in Vancouver, because I have a feeling that if you were to do a uh, you know an unscientific vote, but if you were to do a poll, I would say that the majority of of, uh, of Vancouver Canuck fans would like to have that as our permanent jersey, yeah. no question. What is old is new again. Do you think you see that happening anytime soon, Al? Like them wearing that full time? We've seen the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers kind of you know switch back to their old threads full time. You know what? I mean, I, I'm all for it now. Uh, you know, whoever makes those decisions is way above my pay grade. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think you have to go through all of the, uh, you know, all of the, uh, the, the, 
the, the, the hoops of, of yeah. the National Hockey League to get all of that stuff approved and stuff. But listen, I would put a yes for me yeah. for that black skate jersey for yeah. sure. Me too. Thanks for your time today, Al. Looking uh, forward to talking with you again soon. You are very welcome. Great to be on the Octagon. Yes, inside the Radio Octagon, that's Al Murdoch, the public address announcer for the Vancouver Canucks. And he's also, yes, the voice of the sports cage, the big voice here on our station. So big thanks to Al for joining us today on this Wednesday inside the sports cage on 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. All of our guests appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. You can fall back into the fall routine, take the night off, and let Western Pizza do the cooking tonight. I know you look outside, there's snow on the ground. We are on the corner of 12th and Rose, downtown Regina. We have Switch Studios. We are broadcasting in Century Studios now after a long stint in the regular studio. You know, it's always kind of tough to get back in the groove of things when you switch the scenery, but uh, I kind of like it. I have to wear my prescription sunglasses, though, because it's just too bright for my eyeballs. Other than that, Blaine, I do you like it up here, or, or uh, am I alone on this one? I think you like it. Uh, you got to see all the creatures during yeah. Halloween last night. Yeah, we picked a good day to start, eh? On yeah. Halloween, definitely all the creatures. Yeah, there's some... I like actually seeing the weather, you know, before mm-hmm. how we would guess what it's like outside kind of thing i like having windows i'm not gonna lie so i like that part of it so yeah it's got its ups and downs it just i don't like this time of year so much because being up like because we get the dark gloomy hours so soon like it feels like right now it feels like it feels later than five o'clock not it's not even five o'clock but you know it feels later than five but and the next month it's gonna get worse and worse for that man it's gonna be interesting for the pats game tonight i'm staying behind to do uh the producing for the game it's going to be dark, and I'm going to keep all the lights off. That's the way I like it. I like it just pitch dark. The only thing, you know, if I was to complain about one thing, and we're going to get this fixed maybe even as soon as tomorrow, is our TV isn't working. We have a huge 75-inch TV in here, and it's just completely black. What a waste of space, but our uh, awesome tech man is going to fix that up tomorrow ryan mashork so uh hopefully we can you know have some background visuals during the sports cage tomorrow and uh, the western hockey league if you missed this news this is pretty much fresh off the press uh, the whl announced today that the adoption of mandatory neck guards and the neck guard protection for all players will be effective as of friday so this friday november 3rd and uh, or as soon as the protective equipment is available to the clubs, by the way. So keep that in mind as well. So the WHL is not messing around. And I know the NHL and the NHLPA are in, you know, some preliminary discussions about possibly making the neck guard mandatory in the National Hockey League. Would you like to see that, Blaine? Mandatory across the board, across all levels of hockey? If you ask me, I say, why not? I mean, you got protection everywhere else across your body. And the last time I checked, you know, well, I won't go. Do you, do you, do you like do you like that, Blaine? I, I think it's a must at this point, especially what happened uh, over the weekend. Kind of surprised me that, yeah, like the Western Hockey League didn't already have this in place. Mm-hmm. You almost think, especially with the other two major junior hockey leagues already had it in place. It's a little surprising that the West wasn't the one that did, but uh, it's good to see that it's quick. 
the, in terms of the, um, I guess, introduction of the rule uh, that it's in place and then it's going to be at the end of the week. And then, yeah, it just seems like a no brainer. I mean, I remember when I was way back and I think I was, it wasn't like my first year in hockey. It was my like third year in hockey that they kind of made neck guards mandatory. And I know we had like the old school one that like were annoying, but now they got them. Like they're nothing, eh? Like yeah. I, I don't want to say they're like nothing at all on your neck, but like, uh, yeah, it just seems like a no-brainer that uh, that you have some kind of protection around your neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're gonna see that as soon as as Friday here in the Western Hockey League. And sticking with hockey, I don't think we talked about this yet, but unexpected note from the NHL this afternoon: Nicholas Backstrom announced that he is stepping away from the Washington Capitals due to his injuries. So in a statement, he basically said that you know it's a difficult decision, but one that he feels is best for his health. And hey, gotta respect that. You gotta respect it. He knows his health. He needs some time away, and that's the way it's going to be. And the Texas Rangers, they can win the World Series tonight, Blaine. Do you think they're gonna do it? They have another opportunity to well, this is their first opportunity to clinch the series after yesterday's eleven to seven win. And I'm gonna ask you the same question I asked Ben Wagner. If you're a Texas Ranger fan, you're sitting there thinking, okay, yes, we've never won a World Series before in our history, but you're also the very same Texas Ranger fan that is holding a ticket to the next game in the series at home. Are you wanting the Texas Rangers to lose tonight so you can witness a World Series clinching win in person? Or, you know, which which side of the fence are you sitting on here? If I'm a fan, I want I just want the win. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's... It's the perfect situation to win it at home, have the celebration at home and everything like that. But when you're rolling, just get it over with because there's always a chance, you know, if it goes to a game six. I mean, yes, they are on, they would be on home turf for the final two games. But still, I think you got the chance to finish off, you finish it. Um, you just take the championship when you get it. So mm-hmm. I think if you're, if you're a fan of the Rangers, yeah, it would be nice to be, you know, at home for game six. But I think at the end of the day, if they can win it tonight and they can clinch it, that's what you hope for. Man, the Texas Rangers, they are in their, I want to say, one, two, I think this is their third season in their new in their new stadium. I could be wrong, but I believe it opened, or no, maybe this, yeah, I think this is their second or third season. So basically what I'm getting at is the reason why that they built a brand new stadium, it's pretty simple. It was too hot. I went to a game back in, um, what year was it, 2011. I saw the Blue Jays lose a series to the Texas Rangers. It was in the middle of July, and it was like over 100 degrees Fahrenheit every single day. And the ballpark itself was a beautiful ballpark. Like, there was nothing wrong with the ballpark. So that, I'm just going to say it, that's the reason why they got... A brand new stadium. It looks awfully similar to their, you know, rivals down the road. Not going to lie. It kind of looks kind of like the Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas, the home of the Houston Astros. But yeah, I'm kind of hoping that this series uh, gets extended. I'm neutral in this series, so I'm hoping that the Arizona Diamondbacks win tonight because nothing beats, when it comes to baseball, nothing beats a Game 7 in a World Series. Like, I... What what else could beat it? A game seven in the World Series? I know if I know if Arizona wins tonight, it's not going to be pushed to a game seven, but it gets us that much closer to possibly witnessing a game seven in the World Series. So that's what I'm hoping for. Will it happen? 
Uh, probably not. If you heard our conversation with Ben Wagner earlier, he basically said that, yeah, he thinks this series is over. I mean, Texas was up 11-1 to going into the bottom of the eighth last night before Arizona kind of woke up and smelled the coffee with a bit of a comeback there. But it's going to be a good game tonight. I'm going to be... Uh, you know, keeping my finger on the pulse of it. I'm going to be doing the Pats game tonight, but hopefully, well, I won't have it on this TV because it doesn't work, but hopefully I can get it on the monitor uh, as the Texas Rangers look to clinch their first ever World Series title. And when you think about it, they've had some great players over the years. Nolan Ryland, uh, Nolan, Nolan Ryland, Nolan Ryan comes to mind first, of course. I mean, uh, Michael Young, another player. Uh, Adrian Beltre. Juan Gonzalez. Juan, Juan Gonzalez. Pudge Rodriguez. Pudge Rodriguez. There you go. Alex Rodriguez. Rafael Palmero. There we go. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Uh, who else comes to mind when it comes to the Texas? Rusty Rangers? Greer. Yeah, there we go. So all those names. And tonight could be the night for Texas Ranger fans. I believe ex-president George Bush as a Texas Ranger fan. He was at one of the World Series He used games. to be the owner. He used to be a part owner of the Rangers mm-hmm. in the early 90s. Yeah. Before, so, before you know, he became president and all yeah. that, eh? So, yeah, so I'm assuming that he is still a fan of the team. He was there at uh, game one. Yeah. So that game is at 6 p.m. tonight. I think I might have said 7 earlier, but it's a 6 p.m. opening pitch. Uh, in the World Series tonight. All right, we are going to hit the break. That is hour two of the Sports Cage. On the other side of the break, it's time to talk some Canadian Football League. We're going to focus on the CFL East semifinals today as we are going to catch up with former rider, punter, and current Hamilton Tiger Cat punter, Kari Vedvik. And then at 5.35, we will chat with uh, Jeshron Antwi, former Calgary Dino and current Montreal Alouette. That's all coming up on the Sports Cage. If you want CFL talk, you don't want to go anywhere. You are listening to the Sports Cage on this Wednesday here on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Alongside Blaine Wyland, corner of 12th and Rose, downtown Regina, here on this Wednesday night. I guess it's technically still the Wednesday afternoon. We're not in the evening yet, I don't think. Some people say 5 o'clock is evening. I don't know. Yeah, I always I say six, it's 6 o'clock because it's like 12 o'clock's noon. 6 o'clock is, you know, go by quarters. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. 12, 6, 12, 6. Like, we I got consider, time controversy. I consider the overnight 12 to 6. Morning starts at 6, 6 to 12. Afternoon 12 to 6. I uh, feel like that could be like in a Seinfeld if it hasn't been before. Like, you know, like uh, George saying, did you just say good evening to me? And then Jerry be like, yeah. And then, Jerry, it's not the evening, you know? I could see something like that. Especially in this situation when it's like pitch black at 5 o'clock. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I could see something like that for sure. Hey, a sad note to pass along here before we uh, get to our next guest. Uh, Bob Knight, the legendary NCAA head basketball coach, has passed away. He was uh, 83 years old. Knight was the head coach of... Of course, the Indiana Hoosiers from 1971 to the year 2000 it was. And he also coached at Texas Tech uh, as well. After Indiana, he went to Texas Tech for about, I want to say, seven seasons. And then uh, between 
uh, or I guess before his time with Indiana is when he was with Army and legendary, legendary coach. I mean, while at Army, he led the Black Knights to four postseason tournament appearances in six seasons. And yeah, he won three national championships as a head coach, 1976, 1981, and 1987, I believe, were the ones for Bob Knight. He passed away today in Indiana. He was 83 years old. Well, we don't, uh, we do not have Saskatchewan Rough Rider football this weekend, of course, but we can watch some former Saskatchewan Rough Rider players partake in the playoffs this weekend. Playoffs? Yeah, we're talking playoffs. CFL East semifinal coming up here. Uh, on Saturday. Remember, it's on Saturday. Don't be tuning in on Sunday expecting to watch CFL playoff football because it is not on Sunday this year. It is on Saturday, and we are pleased to uh, be joined now on the Western Pizza Hotline by former Saskatchewan Rough Rider and current Hamilton Tiger Cat punter Corey Vidvik. How are you doing today, my friend? Thanks for taking a couple minutes. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, man. So, uh, playoff season. Do you do you feel it in the air? What's it like out east going into this game coming up here Saturday? You guys just matched up with the Alouettes recently, and now you get them again. Yeah, yeah. No, we're certainly we're certainly ready. So uh, practice is going great, and uh, the team is locked in. Everyone's uh, everyone's on the same page. And uh, out east, there it's uh, it's starting to get a little cold front too from uh, from Saskatchewan now. So starting yeah. to feel the breeze as well. Yeah, what's the what's the temperature like in uh, you know the greater Toronto area, the Hamilton Ontario area right now? What's the temperature like today? Oh, it's not not <laughs> bad at all right now. Now it's uh, a little windy, but we're staying there up like anywhere between seven to seven to ten. But yeah. it's getting a little little chillier now the last few days. Hey man, like you're built for it now though. After spending you know past wild winters in Regina. I don't think it gets much colder in Canada. So, you know, you could kind of bug your teammates going forward. If they think it's cold, you'd be like, oh, no, this ain't cold, my friend, because I, I, we hear it all the time. People from Eastern Canada, they think they are living in cold weather when really it's not that cold at all. Right. I mean, I mean, even from Norway, you know, spending a winter <laughs> in Regina was, uh, was a little different. A little minus forty nine last year when I was at a gas uh, gas stop, and uh, that was a that was a different experience. Yeah, well, compare the two winters, Norway and Saskatchewan. What what are the winters like? Uh, is it a different type of cold? What kind of what's the difference there? Yeah, so I'm from uh, you know coastal city in Norway, so it's uh, our winters is more similar to what you would find out in Vancouver. It's like the coastal right. climate, and uh, you know a lot of wind the snow doesn't stay on the ground for too long and then you know it turns into sludge but uh the regina winter was very very dry and cold and it stayed oh yeah yeah it was a little different so is it safe to say this is the coldest place that you've ever been regina saskatchewan or is there somewhere uh, cooler yeah for sure i was um i was driving to the border uh in uh uh what's called pilot in uh, saskatchewan Mm -hmm get my work permit and uh, on the way back I had to stop for gas and then uh, that's when it was it was said it was minus with the windshield it was minus 49 outside and I, I just realized I've never been in in that cold coldest I've had is like minus 27 I believe back home in Norway yeah but obviously the the coastal city where I said uh, where I'm from in Norway is uh, a lot warmer than what you would find up north in Norway you know northern Norway is close to the Arctic so yeah. up there you will find a similar winter if not 
even colder. Hey, or, so, I would say the same. Hey, so what's it like punting at Tim Hortons Field? Uh, you know, uh, this question's not usually asked because you know uh, punters probably don't get asked this question a lot. But what's it? What's the? Is there any differences punting and say you know? a cold Tim Hortons field compared to a cold Mosaic stadium. We all know it probably won't be as cold. And, uh, Correct. but, uh, you know, just take our listeners through, you know, the processes, uh, as far as a punter goes when it comes to the process going into a punt. So two factors, I would say in, uh, in the winter time that we're looking at now as specialists of both field goal kickers, snappers, and, and punters. The first thing we do when we go out in the field is that we check for wind, which way the wind is going. And I would say the difference between our Mosaic Stadium and the Tim Hortons field is that at the Tim Hortons field, you have two open ends. Mm-hmm. So the wind has a more, it's more straight line wind from north to south. So the wind is definitely a bigger factor at the Tim Hortons field than what it is in the Mosaic where you have a closed end and you have one open end because in the mosaic you'll have the wind coming in from the open end and it will bounce off the it'll bounce off the rest of the stadium and kind of come back around so it's a little less of a factor in mosaic but still windy in the mosaic but uh tim horton the wind is is probably windiest uh, stadium in the in the league yeah, well, we we know on Saturday you will not be playing at Tim Hortons Field. You will be in Montreal. Right. So what's it like uh, punting and, you know, doing all those duties in Montreal? What's that environment like as far as uh, the elements? Yeah, so we, fortunately, we played there now. So we already got the, not played there before. And, um, you know, we get to practice all week in, in our stadium and, um, and in, in the elements here. So going into the... Uh, uh, stadium in Montreal, it's uh, it would be a little less wind as we have. Uh, it's still windy, but a little less wind. So you know, it'll definitely gear us and make us ready for for the elements up there. Yeah. Did you punt last season with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in, in Montreal? I I'm trying to think. Back. I can't remember the schedule. I, or do we even play in Montreal last year? I, I we uh, played in Montreal yeah. when I came in the 21 season when I came in October. Yeah. Then my my first game. I think my first game was in Montreal, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah my first game was in Montreal, actually. Yeah. For the so, Rough Riders. Yeah, so that's what I was kind of thinking. I was going to ask you, I think that what might have been your first game with the, the Saskatchewan Rough yep. Riders was in Montreal. I remember that. So, uh, you yep. haven't you haven't you haven't played much in Montreal as far as like your process going into the game as a punter perspective, is it just the same routine then? It doesn't, you know, you don't think too much about uh where you're punting. You just, you know, keep to your, keep to your mechanics and just uh go throughout your routine type of thing. Right. Depending on the wind uh, and how how strong it is, you wanna you wanna focus a little bit more on holding on to the ball longer. Uh, mm-hmm. You just want to make sure you see the ball and hit the ball. Uh, you want the ball to spend as little time in the air as possible. So that would be the only thing that we we focus on when you when you go into a little a little windier day. But other than that, it's pretty much the same. You have your routine. You go in. You check for the wind. You go both ways, and uh, you play your you play your balls, and then uh, and then you get ready for the game. Corey Vevic, the punter for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, with us here on the Western Pizza Hotline, former punter of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So talk about, uh, you know, your experiences uh, thus far in Hamilton, man. Uh, you know, talk about your new teammates. It's a brand-new locker room. How has that transition gone? It's been very smooth. They've been uh, they've been very welcoming when I came over here. I mean, didn't skip a beat. You know, I came in day one, and uh, 
they introduce myself to the team and the team meeting. And uh, from there, I mean, everyone in the locker room comes up to you and comes and talks to me. And, you know, I had a chance to talk and get to know a lot of people. And then uh, we have a ping pong table outside of the locker room. So uh, it's a good opportunity mm-hmm. to get some, uh, get to know the people and compete some. And yeah, man, we've, we've gone very well along and uh, Mark and uh, Gordon White, my long snapper and field goal kicker. I'm just uh, really, really good at what they do. And uh, we built some good chemistry together and, and I'm excited to keep working with them and get into this playoff and get a victory. Yeah. So outside of the specialists, Corey Vedvik, who is your best friend on that on the Hamilton Tiger Cats? Who uh, who have you kind of warmed up to the most? Well, it's uh, been very fortunate. Uh, Jacob Zott from Saskatchewan came over here, mm. and uh, he also traded. And uh, Derek Walker as well got picked up. So I have two former teammates at the in the building right now. There we go. So uh, and we're also I'm also sitting right next to Derek at the locker. So we're getting very well along. And there was also uh, um, uh, Bailey and uh, Simone Lawrence and um, 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 Bowe Bo, uh, Mitchell. He's great. Yeah. He always comes up to me, and uh, we keep talking punting. Believe it or not, he actually watches a lot of punting videos. Wow, so, let's go. Okay. Uh, Punters yeah, are people, too. That Okay, Bo Levi. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he came up to me and said, hey, man, I saw some videos on uh, on Instagram the other day about, you know, punting mechanics and this and that. And, you know, he just he talks punting. He knows about the drop and he knows uh, he knows what to look for. And it's, it's been cool kind of getting to talk outside of the specialist room with uh, with other so about what we do. Yeah, that's cool. Great. And but, no, it's very it's a very good team. I mean, the chemistry is great and, and uh, it's a very tight-knitted group uh, yeah. right now. So we have a real good thing going. And, uh, yeah, it's... We're gonna. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the, what we're gonna bring. Yeah, you guys finished eight and ten in the regular season, and uh, can expect, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell, maybe uh, both Matthew Schiltz in the game coming up mm-hmm. here on Saturday. So it's gonna be an exciting game. Gonna be rooting for you, my friend. Thanks for carving out a couple minutes and uh, you know talking with us. Always loved you here on Rider Nation, and uh, you were always. You know, really accommodating coming on our show here on the Sports Cage, and uh, we'll be uh, rooting for you on Saturday. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, and I'm available anytime. Awesome. That's Corey Vedvik on the Western Pizza Hotline, former punter of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and current punter for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and his Tie Cats are getting set to take on the Montreal Alouettes here on Saturday in the East Semifinals. So, kickoff for that one. I believe it's at. 1 p.m. our time, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it's a 1 p.m. kickoff uh, Saskatchewan time. So we heard from the Tiger Cat side of things, and at the bottom of the hour, we're going to hear from the other side. We're going to check in with Jeshron Antwi, running back for the Montreal Alouettes, later on this hour. You are listening to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Yeah, it's 523 inside the Sports Cage. And big thank you again to Corey Vedvik. I'm going to be cheering for. Do you know what? I don't know who I'm cheering for. Who are you cheering for here on Saturday in the East semifinal? I don't know if I'm actually cheering for anyone. I mean, you gotta root for someone. I like Corey though. I mean, like yeah. he was definitely one of those guy, good guys to talk to when he was with the Green and White. But uh, like, 
Do you want to cheer for our old OC and our old quarterback? <laughs> I, it's a coin flip, though. This, but there's, but there's also the Bo Levi Mitchell thing in Hamilton. You know, there's a lot of Ryder fans, I'm sure, sharing this sentiment right now, thinking, "I don't want to see Bo, Le- Bo Levi advance in the playoffs." So there's going to be a lot of Ryder fans, I think, kind of stuck in the middle here. Do you cheer for Cody Fajardo in the Alouettes, or do you cheer? For Bo Levi Mitchell in the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I cheer for the team that's going to give the Argonauts a good run in the Eastern Final. How about that? I mean, I don't, I don't know if either can. Meh, they might give them a run. I don't know. I'm not sure either team's going to beat the Argos in the Eastern Final. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. I know Montreal playing them close in Montreal. You know, whenever that was, play so many games, they all meant together. But it's going to be tough. I, I, I think. I think the Argos can just, you know, punch their ticket to the Great Cup right now. That was a question that I wanted, that I was going to ask Corey Vedvik. It's just coming to mind now with the Great Cup being in Hamilton. I was going to ask him the old cliche question: Is that being talked about type of thing? But is that slipped any, my mind. Ask him if any, yeah. Second straight year for him, eh? To be in the city that uh, yeah. is hosting the Great Cup, of course, after last year with it being here in Regina and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this year at least Hamilton made it to the postseason. They got a little bit of chance in the po- in the playoffs, but uh, mm-hmm. they got to go on the road two times before they can go back home. It's going to be interesting. So that one is at uh, 1 p.m. on Saturday, and uh, the Western Semi as well is coming up here this weekend, happening right after that. So I like how they actually, you know, they usually do do that anyways, but uh, the the Western Semifinal will take place about a half hour after the Hamilton-Montreal game like ends. They try to schedule them three and a half hours now, like during the regular season, where they do two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> no doubt, huh? So it's a four thirty p.m. kickoff. And just a reminder too that because time changes on Sunday, or everyone else changes their clock on Sunday, so the league finals will be a different time than like. That's the one thing about Saturday games at this time That's of right. year. They're gonna have different times in Saskatchewan because the clock changes on yeah. Sunday. Yeah. So the Eastern Semi this week will be at one PM our time and then the Eastern final will be at two PM and then, you know, so on and so forth. The Western semi uh, excuse me, the Western semifinal here on Saturday will be at four thirty and then the Western final at five thirty. So you can just basically bump everything up an hour as far as the start times go. And then the Grey Cup itself, 5 p.m. kickoff. Well, we all know it won't be right at 5 p.m., but it'll be around then in Hamilton, Ontario. We're going to take a break here, and we are going to be joined on the Western Pizza Hotline in a few minutes by running back of the Montreal Alouettes, Jeshron Antwi. And I am going to ask him about his Calgary Dinos and the blunder that his former uh, well, his alma mater suffered this past weekend uh, ooh, versus the Manitoba Bisons as the Calgary Dinos are now on the outside looking in in the Canada West postseason. You are listening to the Sports Cage here on this Wednesday on 620 CKRM. I'm Blaine Wyland inside of the Sports Cage studios with your sports ticker for Busy B. Busy B will replace or repair your residential commercial garage doors so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz, Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. Regina Pats are going to be in action tonight at the Brandt Center. This is the third game of their four-game homestand. Tonight they will take on the Prince Albert Raiders, the third time these two teams will meet this season. Prince Albert took the first two games up in Prince Albert earlier this year. 
coverage on 620 CKRM begins with the pregame show in just over an hour's time at 635, the opening faceoff about 90 minutes time at 7 o'clock. The WHL announced today that it's going to be mandatory net guard protection for all players effective this Friday. Of course, quick reaction to the tragic passing of Adam Johnson this past weekend in England. Some tragic news in the world of sports. Legendary basketball coach Bobby Knight has passed away at the age of 83 years old. And plenty of changes in the sporting world. Uh, on the ice, uh, the Ottawa Senators and general manager Pierre Dorian have mutually parted ways. Earlier today, the Senators were stripped of a first-round draft pick sometime within the next three years. Evgeny Dadanov trade that happened a couple of years ago. They forgot to mention uh, to uh, Las Vegas about the no-trade clause and that set off a cherry- couple of chain of events. Of course, that happened in 2021. The Senators were punished today, and Dorian is now out. And as well in the NFL, Josh McDaniels is out as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Former New York Giant linebacker Antonio Pierce will be the team's head coach, and the Raiders will take on the Giants this week. And that's a look at your sports ticker. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM. All right, all right. Getting set for some hockey tonight under the orange top. The Prince Albert Raiders in town to meet the Regina Pats. This is Pat Chat brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. You can get the best flocking chicken wings special in town with 69 cent wings all day long, every Wednesday and Sunday with a feature wing flavor of the month uh, every month. Check it out at the Canadian Brew House. And uh, the Regina Pats, as mentioned, taking on the Prince Albert Raiders tonight. The Pats are coming off that 4 to nothing loss, that uh, matinee special at the Brand Center. I believe that was the first matinee game of the 2023-24 season this past Sunday, that 4 to nothing loss versus the Prince George Cougars. So the Pats will try to right their wrongs this evening. It will be a 6.35 p.m. pregame show with puck drop shortly after 7 o'clock. And the big news in the Western Hockey League, as of today, uh, the Western Hockey League announced that the adoption of mandatory net guard production for all players will be effective as of Friday, November 3rd. So just a few short days away, but... It might be an effect even sooner than that if the equipment is available to the clubs before then. So if the equipment is in-house before November 3rd comes around, you can expect to see neck guards being worn by WHL players. But if it's not, then Friday will be the date. So uh, that is the big note in the Western Hockey League today as Dante DeCaria is getting set to call tonight's matchup once again. 6.35 p.m. pregame show here on the mighty 6.20 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 6.20 CKRM. It's 5.36 here inside the Sports Cage on this Wednesday getting set for another weekend of Canadian Football League action, and it's going to be nice to actually, you know, watch games this weekend that matter. This past week in the Canadian Football League kind of felt like, I don't know, preseason because the playoff field was completely set. The games that were being played were completely meaningless. And, well, this is the complete opposite of that. It's playoff football coming up here Saturday in the Canadian Football League, and we are awaiting the call of Jeshron Antwi, running back, for the Montreal Alouettes, hopefully he calls in right away here as uh, the Owls are taking on 
those Hamilton Tiger Cats. And the other game, it's a matchup from October 20th, I believe, was the date when the Calgary Stampeders went into BC Place and, let's be honest, embarrassed the BC Lions. No one really saw the Stampeders, you know, beating the Lions to that extent because at the time, the BC Lions, they still had an outside chance of, you know, finishing first in the West Division. They needed some help, albeit, but they still had something to play for. It didn't matter to the Stampeders, the one that day, as they uh, went into BC Play Stadium and, you know, really took it to the BC Lions. So that game is at 4.30 on on Saturday, awaiting the call from Jeshwan Antwi. And I like what the, what the Canadian Football League did, though. You know, moving the playoffs to Saturday, Blaine, because I don't see why you would want to play it on Sunday. Uh, I think in a few years we might see that happen with the Grey Cup as well. I don't see why you want to go up against Sunday Night Football, especially, especially when you're trying to attract, you know, uh, viewers from down south and stuff like Americans are not going to be watching the Grey Cup on a Sunday night and maybe they won't even be watching it on a Saturday night because there's college football and stuff but maybe it opens the door to some more you know viewership I don't know what do you think Saturday is the yeah the right call. and other and then another thing too it's you know you don't have to work Sunday so you can have a party with that as well too as opposed yeah. to a lot of people go back to work on Monday so there's that aspect to it too with especially if your team's like you know playing a game on Saturday night you can enjoy the game and hopefully they win have a festive celebra- celebration afterwards and then you know you don't have to worry about it Sunday you can you get an extra day to rest up so that's another good thing about having it on Saturday I know a lot of places like you know you get the pump more I guess inter- you know how should I say it? You get the spend more. You're probably spending more money because you're probably having more fun, you know, enjoying the yeah. game, I'd say, you know. So that, that's another thing, too. And I, I like it that uh, the CFL is moving over the Saturday. I always could, you know, I didn't mind like a couple of years where I have to because I'm a big NFL guy and I like to go NFL Sunday. But those two games, three games, I guess you worry more about the CFL. I kind of can handle it. But I like it that it's on Saturday, and just, it only conflicts with the college football schedules. So, mm-hmm. and so I don't mind. I, I I like the Saturday shift, and yeah, I wouldn't be too surprised that we see the Great Cup on a Saturday. Like I said about that party aspect, um, it's just I guess the one down. Maybe you wouldn't see it because of like Great Cup weeks shorter than if you put the game on Saturday, and that's this is one point. Le- that's one less day of. Um, events yeah. and practices and stuff like that. So maybe, but uh, I think that's the main reason why they are keeping it on Sunday. Now that you bring that point up, because that cuts into the Great Cup Festival, and the Great Cup Festival is a you know a nice money maker for the league. Yeah, that's a big day too, because you know you're losing out Saturday. Well, you're not the games on Sunday, so you're losing out one extra day and prime real estate. And uh, yeah, so yeah, we'll see what happens. I wouldn't mind Saturday Great Cup though. Yeah. Well, also coming up this weekend, who do your 49ers got this weekend, Blaine? They got a bye. Oh, they got a bye. They got a bye and coming off the bye. They That's always put- the worst. Sorry for cutting you off. That always the worst, though, you know, being a fan of a team and going into a bye off a loss. Like, aren't you salty? 
Uh, yeah, but you know, they played not too good the last three weeks, and they just added a piece that they can work into in terms of Chase Young. They can work in a lineup a little bit more. They got a tough matchup coming off the bye because they're taking on another team who's on a bye this week and who's doing pretty good this season, the Jacksonville Jaguars out east. So the 49ers don't even get an advantage of, you know, playing a team that's, uh, you know, they're rested, but they're also facing a team that's rested as well. Like this past week, the Bengals coming off the bye were definitely looking refreshed uh, against the Niners as well. I'm not saying that's the only reason that the Bengals won this week, but uh, that I think that helped them out, you know, being refreshed an extra week of practice. Well, not practice per se, but next week of rest uh, before. And especially for a quarterback like Joe Burrow, who I think needed that rest. He's starting to look like uh, the Joe Burrow of old and... Uh, I think we some teams you can't write off in September in the NFL. Sometimes I think we sometimes you know like the right teams off that have slow starts. Sometimes it's warranted, but like teams like Cincinnati, yeah, you got to wait a little bit before you completely write them off. Yeah, I know Green Bay Packer fans are very frustrated right now because uh, today's news really rubs some more salt in the wounds because the Las Vegas Raiders have basically cleaned out house. You know, they got rid of their coach. They got rid of their GM. They got rid of, you name it, they're starting a new quarterback. Well, guess what? The Packers lost to the Raiders this year, and the Packers have also lost to the Atlanta Falcons this year, and those Falcons are also starting a brand-new quarterback. Uh, Taylor Heineke, the former Washington commander. Desmond Ritter is no longer in there. So things could be worse, Blaine. You know, you could have a 2-5 and five football team that you're cheering for, but... Uh, the Green Bay Packers this week take on the Los Angeles Rams at Lambeau Field and the LA Rams. I mean, Matthew Stafford's status is, you know, still day to day as far as the last I heard because he's dealing with that uh, thumb injury. So uh, we don't quite know if it's going to be uh, Matthew Stafford and Jordan Love matchup or if it's going to be something else. But uh, I mean, what. What Packers take out of you know yesterday's trade uh, trade deadline and and what happened today, like what Packers fans take out of that is basically you know the front office and everybody can say that they're not in a rebuild, but let's be honest, the team's in a rebuild right now. Like two and five, you're trading away your best corner. J- just hit it, hit it to me straight, Blaine Wyland. It's a rebuild. And the season's over. I should take my jacket. And no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to throw my jacket away. But I, I don't want to tippy toe around the bush anymore. We all know the Packers' season is pretty much done. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason. I think. I think. Uh, I think this season, though, Jordan Love still has a lot to play for. Um, I'm not sure what his long term future is as term, in terms of being the quarterback, the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, it, it's an it will be an interesting stretch because. Especially in that division too. Like uh, that's a there yeah. two bad divisions in terms of the NFC, the South and the North. But like you know, like uh, I'll tell you, Blaine, I do not like the hate that Jordan Love is getting. No, don't get me wrong, he's making some bad throws. And there's no doubt about it. He's made some bad throws, but when you go back and you really dive into the tape, there's missed blocks. Nobody knows what they're doing. There's pen- uh, penalties galore out there. There's drop balls. Like, you can 
take any quarterback in the National Football League and put them under center right now for the Green Bay Packers, and I guarantee you they would not have any type of success whatsoever. That's how bad the offense is right now. I mean, it's I haven't seen an offense this bad. I'll put I'll put it to you this way. Back in 2008, the Green Bay Packers finished 6 and 10 in Aaron Rodgers' first season as the starter, and you know, 10 losses is 10 losses, not a very good team, right? But at least there was long stretches throughout that season where you could sit back and think to yourself, "Okay, but you know, I see some really big time potential in this team and this quarterback." Fast forward to 2023, you can you can't really say the same thing right now. There's no stretch of great play outside of that second half versus New Orleans uh, earlier on this season when the Packers came back to beat them. But, uh, yeah, things looking kind of bleak right now for the Green Bay Packers. But on the good side of things, the Packers have a very high draft pick as it sits right now. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the season wraps up. I don't know. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how they wrap up at, uh, this season. I mean, uh, yeah. I don't know what your thoughts. Do you are you hoping that? Uh... No, I'm I'm not one of those fans that sit back and you know hope to lose out for a better draft pick. I mean, our general manager doesn't know how to draft anyways. Green Bay Packers GM doesn't know how to draft anyways. So uh, let's just let's just try to win games and. We'll see where we're at there. We're going to hit the break here. Hopefully on the other side, be joined by Jeshron Antwi, running back of the Montreal Alouettes. You are listening to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. 547 inside the sports cage here. It's 547 getting set for Regina Pats hockey tonight. Pats and Prince Albert Raiders from under the orange top. But we still have one more segment to go here. And we are joined on the Western Pizza Hotline now by former University of Calgary Dino and current Montreal Alouettes running back <coughs> Jeshron Antwi. How you doing today, my friend? Thanks for uh, uh, carving out a couple minutes. For sure, I'm well. How are you? You're good, my friend. So I I, I want to ask you about this. I know it might be too soon, but the, your Calgary Dinos were in the national news uh, oh. as of late. I know. Yeah. I, that's not why I brought you on here. I want to talk playoff football. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Oh, but, sure. yeah. Yeah, but I do have to ask you because I would be completely remiss if I didn't get your thoughts on that situation. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of no words, really. Um, we obviously had our game um, playing the Thai Cats in the last game of the season, and so I didn't get a chance to watch. But I'm a die not hard, and so you know after we were we won our game and we took our business, I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm checking the score and I'm on social media and it's like you know we're trending because um, there are quite a few football accounts even in the in the states that had retweeted it. Um, something about Mario Cristobal. So, you know, it was like, it was just an unbelievable, unbelievable thing to watch, you know, uh, yeah. just kind of knowing what that program has been and what it has stood for yeah. over the years. But uh, I guess it's just one of those things where, um, you know, young players grow on things and uh, they'll learn from it as a, as, as a team and uh, mm. they'll move on. <clears throat> so, uh, Jeshron, you're in your uh, third season with the Montreal Alouettes. How has that transition been from youth sports to uh, the professional ranks? It's been good. You know, um, 
lots of the game is very fast paced. You're playing amongst the top competition, you know, um, in university where you could maybe, you know, be a little bit uh, lazy, like a bit of attention and detail, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you could get a with that, but um, at this level, you gotta make sure you're a professional, weight room, um, film room, meetings, everything, and you know, having that attention and detail is that uh, I think very important. Yeah. So, uh, what's it been like being a part of Jason Moss's offense? We know him well here in in Saskatchewan. Jason Moss now, obviously yeah. in charge in uh, Montreal. Uh, what's it been like working alongside Jason Moss and uh, former Saskatchewan Rough Rider uh, quarterback Cody Fajardo this year? Yeah, it has been incredible. To, to be quite honest with you, um, Coach Moss, you know the, the the first time he got hired, being on the phone with him, um, he called me and just he he. He's a coach that I, he reminds me a lot of some of my high school coaches, my university offense coordinator, Ryan Sheehan, as far as like offensively terminology and just character and the type of men that they are, you know? And so he's somebody that I admire and I would, I would run to a wall for him any day. Um, as far as Cody goes, same thing. Great man, great person, great husband, um, great quarterback in my opinion, you know? Um, whatever year he had in Sask. That's behind him now, and I'm just glad he's on our team now. Has it been tough for yourself, Jeshwan Antwi? You know, uh, this season uh, after last season, you had uh, like a lot of touches of the football. You had 106 carries last year, and then <clears throat> here in 2023, you had just uh, 39 carries. Has that uh, transition yeah. been tough? Not having the ball in your hands as much. Um, I wouldn't say so. What you know, I think obviously last year we we don't know what happened with uh, yeah. uh the injury to. Will stand back. Um, obviously, as a competitor, um, you believe in yourself and your capabilities to uh, run the ball. But I'm also very aware of um, the team that I play on and my role on the team. And stand back healthy this year. We have a great backfield myself, uh, Fletcher, and Will. And I'm very aware of how the Canadian Football League works. And so uh, coming into this year, I was coming in preparing to play my role, whatever that was, and it just turns out that, you know, um, Stanback's healthy, and he's our guy, and he's going to move forward as the number one guy, and I'm going to support in the role, and so whichever way that goes, I'm always there to be a team player. You know, I'm not I'm not somebody that, you know, in, in a coach's office, worried about playing time and and those type of things. I'm just here to do my job. And so, yeah, no, no surprises there at all. Yeah. Montreal Alouettes running back Jeshron Antwi with us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. What's it like uh, playing behind William Stanback, Jeshron? I mean, what kind of, what kind of guy is, uh, you know, William? Uh, us here in Ryderville yeah. don't know him as well. We, you know, play yeah. the Alouettes uh at best, at least once, maybe twice a year. Uh, yeah. Arguably the best running back in the league. What kind of guy is uh, William Stanback? He was a great guy, you know. Great father, brother, um, husband. In the locker room, I think he gets along with everybody. It doesn't matter, you know, offense, defense. He strives to bring guys together. And he just, you, you never really see him in a bad mood, you know. He's never um, a guy that's looking to cause any kind of ruckus. Uh plays well, 
very good football player, you know. But as far as aside from football, just an absolute thrill to be around. Yeah. Hey, your Montreal Alouettes this year, Jeshron Ant, we have kind of found a bit of a loophole. I think you know where I'm going with this with the little bit of a, you know, the short punt. You guys are tricksters over there. I mean, uh, I'm going to ask you, who came up with this idea initially? Was it the mind of Jason Moss that said, hey, like, we can do this? I mean, can you think back to the times and the meetings and, you know, think to yourself, who really came up with this idea? And it's really a brilliant idea. Whether you, whether fans agree with it or not, it is, you know, a type of loophole. So the question is, yeah. who found this loophole? I mean, I think Coach Moss, like I said, he's been coaching this league for, for, for a very long time. He's a student of the game. You know, he strives to make sure we are very aware of all game situations when we go into games and yes you know he, he implemented the player and as far as you know everybody's op- opinions and ideas and you know whether the rules should be banned and, and all that stuff like I get it you know but uh, I think as far as the Canadian Football League goes um, any attention that we can get anybody talking about the league yeah. is good so to me I, I don't quite see the problem and the player is not as easy to execute as it does, you know. And I know we've done it two out of three times. It really should be three out of three. Um, but most recently, I think I came across a clip when BC tried to execute it against the Alouettes. I'm not sure what year it was from. I was actually trying to find a clip, but um, I'm not sure. And I think the person that was trying to punt it, he punted about five yards past the LOS. And so... Even though it looks like a play that, again, myself and Coach Speaker have executed, there's a lot that goes into it. A lot of pressure, you know, the defense is bearing down on you. And so, um, you know, yeah, as far as the critics and opinions go, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. we can leave it at that. But, uh, yeah, Coach yeah. Mark came up with it, and we just executed it. Were you one of the players that that, that have executed it? Pardon my, my ignorance on this. Maybe, uh, was it, because I think you guys have done it maybe twice, maybe three times. Was it you that did yeah. one of them? Yeah, so yeah, we, we've done it a few times. I did it twice, filled the first time, executed the second time, and then, uh, of course, we get the third one. Wow, so you're you're the master at this. We have the master <laughs> of, the, of the short punt. Or, yeah, I guess it is the short punt, Jeshron Antwi, uh, here on the airwaves. I knew it was at least once because I remember vividly watching, you know, uh, the game when it happened. But, uh, yeah, that, that's very interesting. Hey, uh, Jeshron Antwi of the Montreal Alouettes, we have a couple more minutes left here. Uh, maybe just, uh, you know, tell our listeners uh, here in Saskatchewan, we know you well because, you know, you played at Mosaic Stadium in your collegiate career with the, the Calgary yeah. Dinos, so we've seen you play before. But maybe just, uh, you know, fill in our listeners what kind of you know uh, person Jeshwan Antwi is it sounds like you know you're a big family guy it sounds like you know that means a lot to you uh, what kind of you know uh, guy is Jeshron? when did you start playing football where are you from I mean just give me a complete bio man yeah for sure um, yeah so I'm from I'm from uh, Ghana uh, that's where my parents are from I moved to Canada when I was 10. Um, started playing football in high school. Went to Father Lacombe High School. Um, I met some incredible people. Uh, my foster parents, Kevin and Kate Miller, they're actually from Saskatchewan themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a team, I should say. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I started playing football in, in grade 10. Uh, was, able, was able to be good enough to go to the University of Calgary. Uh, 
player for Coach Winners, uh, Matthew Berry, and under Ryan Sheehan. Um, we were good enough to win a you know go to Venice Cup in 2016. We won it in 2019. Um, lost in 16, won 19. Was drafted by the Alouettes um, in 2019 as well. And um, I've been playing this year for the past three years. Uh, and I married uh, with a wife and a kid, but in Calgary. Uh, so yeah, very important family guy. Um, in the off season, I work as a guest teacher for the Calgary Catholic School District. So that's awesome. those are kind of the things that I do. Um, aside from that, yeah, I, I coach basketball, volunteer coach basketball for the district as well. Um, and yeah, as, as far as myself go, I think I'm just uh, laid back individual. I like playing football. Love playing football. You know, I try to be a student of the game as much as possible. Um, and then, you know, my spare time, I, I like reading, uh, listening to podcasts and just, yeah, you know, spend time with my family. Uh, my kid is only seven months old, so, you know, I'm new to being a dad. And yeah, it's been a great experience so far. So yeah, I think, yeah, my spare time is the thing that I, I like doing. Hey, man, I'll tell you what, we will be cheering for you coming up here on, on Saturday, us uh, here in Ryderville. Our Saskatchewan Rough Riders are not in the playoffs this year, so we got to, you know, pick and choose which players we want to succeed. And I'll tell you, my friend, you are one of them. Can't wait to watch you uh, here on Saturday versus those Hamilton Tiger Cats. Good luck. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's Jeshron Antwi on the Western Pizza Hotline, and that puts a bow on Wednesday's show here on the corner of 12th and Rose. As, yes, you look outside, it is dark outside. The time is changing here, and remember, the time is literally changing coming up here. Daylight savings time on Sunday, so keep that in mind, but uh, it will not affect the Canadian Football League playoffs on Saturday. It's been a fun show. If you missed any of today's show, you can always find it on demand wherever you find your podcasts. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Sports Cage at 3 o'clock. We have another great show lined up for you. Hopefully, we will catch up with Kenton Keith, former Saskatchewan Rough Rider running back, because it was on, well, tomorrow, it was on this day that uh, Kenton Keith put together a pretty big football game for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders in that CFL West semifinal game in 2003 versus the Winnipeg Blue Bombers when Kenton Keith absolutely absolutely went off. I think he had 130 yards rushing at three TDs and single-handedly put the Riders on his back to send them to the West final. Ended up losing that year, of course, a game that they could have won in Edmonton. So we will catch up with Kenton Keith tomorrow and so much more also uh, Going to catch up with the head coach of the Miller Marauders tomorrow as uh, we will be 24 hours away until kickoff of the 6A City Championship. That and so much more. Riker Frank of the Saskatchewan Huskies tomorrow on the Sports Cage. Until then, have yourself a good night.